Welcome to Discover Library and Archives Canada, your history, your documentary heritage. I'm your host, Jessica Ouvrard. Join us as we showcase treasures from our vaults, guide you through our many services, and introduce you to the people who acquire, safeguard, and make known Canada's documentary heritage. Our flag, with its distinctive maple leaf and bold red and white color scheme, has become such a potent symbol for our country that it's hard to believe it's only been around for 50 years. On February 15, 1965, the new flag flew for the first time on Parliament Hill for all to see. But unveiling the new design was anything but easy. In this episode, we speak to retired Library and Archives Canada archivist Glenn Wright about the history of the flag and the controversy that almost kept it from coming into being. If you are interested in viewing images associated with this podcast, you can follow along by viewing our Flickr gallery. You can access a direct link at www.bac-lac.gc.ca slash podcast. Hi Glenn, thank you for being with us today. Could you tell us a bit about your background and your involvement with Library and Archives Canada? Well, I've had two careers at Library and Archives Canada. Uh, I first joined the staff in uh, June 1975 when it was Public Archives of Canada and I remained here until about 1991. Um, I then went off and did uh, some work at National Defence and at the RCMP. Okay. In 2000, uh, I came back and I remained on staff until I retired in 2006. Okay. So you've, uh, you've been an archivist from here for a long period of your career. Yes. What prompted the decision to seek out a new flag to represent Canada? Well, it wasn't new in the 1960s. There had been an effort uh, after the First World War in the early 20s to uh, come up with a flag that would represent Canada, and it didn't really get anywhere. Uh, there was a further attempt after the Second World War. Again, there was a uh, committee that was set up to, to look at flag possibilities. And again, uh, no decision was reached mm -hmm. at all. Um, where we are today, though, probably started in the 1960, uh, when Lester Pearson, who was leader of the Liberal Party in opposition, uh, <clears throat> said that he was going to, uh, one of his promises uh, upon becoming Prime Minister would be to have a distinctive flag for Canada. So I actually point to Lester Pearson, um, and there's so many people involved in this story, um, but Pearson, I think, is a very important place to start. Okay. And uh, was there any opposition to the idea of a new flag? Well, there certainly was. He... Um, uh, when he did become Prime Minister, uh, he wanted to move forward with, with uh, having a flag for Canada. And he, um, uh, it was a promise, and he even put, uh, put a time limit on it, uh, which is always uh, uh, probably a nervous time for a politician. Um, but there was opposition. In fact, uh, the, the very famous event in, in May of 1964, he went to speak to the National uh, Convention of, uh, of the Royal Canadian Legion. And uh, the Legionnaires really did oppose him, and, and there was catcalling, and, and uh, it was almost a chaotic meeting. Uh -huh. uh, but he stuck to his, uh, his, his speech yeah. and said, no, we're, we're going to have a flag. And uh, again, he just emphasized that he wanted something distinctive. Yeah. Uh, and clearly there was opposition in the country. People, uh, I think people generally um, are, are tentative about change 
and and this was fairly significant. And yeah. um, of course, there was opposition in the House of Commons, which which led to a whole series of events ar- ar- around the. Uh, the, the flag. Yeah. Um, uh, the House of Commons uh, got into a debate in the summer of 1964, where, where virtually nothing got done because of the filibustering and the uh, the, the constant uh, uh, debate and argument over a flag, over and, the flag. and so on and so forth. And so this led uh, in the fall of 1964 to a uh, a special committee being set up uh, because something had to be done. Um, certainly the leader of the uh, New Democratic Party, Tommy Douglas, and, and to a lesser extent, the leader of the Conservatives, John Diefenbaker, who, who opposed uh, any kind of new flag, uh, they, they, the, the three leaders agreed that something had to be done. And so they set up a special committee, and from that committee comes the flag. Okay. And where did the new design ideas come from? Well, I, I, is it a new design? Okay, um, mm-hmm. the maple leaf uh, has been a symbol um, for Canada and Canadians for a long, long time prior yes. to the 1960s. Uh, in fact, I suspect that one could probably go back to symbols even pre-Confederation. Yeah. Um, in fact, I believe the very first stamp that we had, the three-penny beaver, the beaver is actually, there's some maple leaves under his feet, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the, the leaf itself uh, was certainly used by our sporting teams uh, way before the 1960s, the Olympics. Uh, athletes wore a, a, a maple leaf on their sweater, this kind of thing. Um, so I think that um, uh, the, 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 other, the other part of this is the fact that um, uh, Pearson and, and the people that he brought into this, I mean, he, he turned to a member of parliament, John Matheson, who was a member for Leeds, uh, was a war veteran, Second War. And he, he sort of he sort of gave it to John Mathis and said, okay, go go get me a flag, go go and solve this issue. Now Pearson himself uh, wanted some kind of maple leaf, and yeah. uh, I think a lot of the people involved with the flag were looking at our coat of arms, which we had had since 1921, and there was a spray of three maple leaves on the coat of arms. And in fact, that led, uh, to, to, Pearson was quite fond of the three maple leaves. And of course, there is that famous blue bordered flag. Um, uh, you know, opponents called it the Pearson pennant, for example. Um, and it had three maple leaves, okay. John Matheson himself, who is really credited with, with bringing this to fruition in 1964 five, also favored a, th- a, three, a three. three maple leaf on a, on a flag. So the, the maple leaf idea was always there, yeah. okay. Um, I think what happened um, uh, in the committee was that the Pearson flag, um, you know, even he came to understand that it was unacceptable, like right. this, this blue bordered thing. Uh, and for other reasons, the, the blue color wasn't acceptable. And so there was a lot of toing and froing about what might happen. And John Matheson <clears throat> was open uh, was, was, was open to ideas. And uh, it, it was suggested to him that perhaps um, they might look at a single maple leaf. And uh, George Stanley, who was an historian at the Royal Military College and uh, well known in his own right as an historian, um, was was one person who suggested that perhaps um, a, a flag with a single red maple leaf would, would resolve would, would do the, the trick. Yeah. yeah, would resolve the issue. Yeah, um, 
and uh, even the committee itself. I mean, it met for six weeks in camera, uh, and it wasn't it, it, it wasn't getting anywhere yeah, by yeah, the yeah. fourth or fifth week. So they really had to do something, and that's when the flag we have actually was sort of a bit of a compromise. Okay. And um, uh, Matheson made sure it, it got into the room, the room itself, and I hope we can see a photograph of it. it was just festooned with with hundreds and, and hundreds and hundreds of different, different designs, designs because yeah. they had welcomed ideas from the public yeah and uh, and so there was all kinds of crazy designs but uh, uh, it's 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 fun to look at that and say well look these these 15 men and women on this committee had an enormous task yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in trying to whittle this down to something that was distinctive yes. uh, for Canada can you tell us a bit about the uh, crazy designs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if you look at them, and, and actually the uh, the real the real joy here is that a lot of these designs are in in the LAC collection, yeah. and uh, have certainly have been um, and used in various books on the on the history of the flag. But they're interesting to look at. I mean, they range everything from not only maple leaves and, and beavers all the way to hockey players and uh, all kinds of strange things. And I, I think it was, uh, I'm not sure exactly where the idea came to, to solicit um, examples from, from the public, but I, you know, in retrospect, it was probably a dandy idea yeah. uh, just to get people thinking about it. What would represent? What would represent Canada? Yeah. And uh, it's something that we... Um, we probably take for granted today uh, because I do want to talk about the impact of the flag and at the time um, there, there still was a lot of controversy over replacing the red ensign with this this new flag um, but Pearson certainly had his day and I, I you know and, and certainly someone like John Matheson deserves a, a lot of credit for seeing it through mm -hmm. because when it comes right down to it it's sort of a political thing it, I mean this wasn't um, people from all parties sitting around saying yeah we'll have a new flag and, and here's what's going to be uh, it, it was very divisive yeah. and um, but once it was achieved um, you know Pearson then moved on to other things uh, but in the last couple of generations, of course, um, you could ask younger people today how long we've had that flag, and they probably don't know. It's not important that people know there was controversy. What's interesting is that people don't realize it's only 50 years old, yeah. and we're going to learn that uh, over the uh, certainly in the new year. And uh, the flag is everywhere now, and a lot of people, of course, <clears throat> in my generation, if we went down to Parliament Hill in the 1970s or even in the 1980s, on Canada Day, uh, it was almost a subdued celebration. Uh, there was a bit of music, not the big production they have today, and there were fireworks, and everybody went home happy. But if you go there now, certainly in the last 10 years, people are people are decked out in red and white. Yeah. Uh, their, their clothing, um, paint, flags, paint, uh, painted faces, yeah. uh, the flag is everywhere. Um, at sporting events, um, be it Olympics or whatever, the, the, the flag is there now. And so people, I think people, generally speaking, love our flag because it is distinctive. Yeah. And I think that's what Lester Pearson really wanted, yeah. was something that said, this is Canada, uh, and it can't be confused with something else. No. And, and um, of course, at the time, when you're right in the middle of the debate, when you're, when you're trying to achieve this, uh, some of that perspective is simply not there. And I think uh, looking back now, we, we can see what a great achievement it was. Yeah, because it's just so iconic. Yes. Yeah. 
So I understand you, you actually stumbled upon the first conceptual design of the flag in, uh, in an archival container. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the, the so-called, well, that's the letter that George Stanley wrote okay. um, to John Matheson in the spring of 1964 after they met at uh, Royal Military College in Kingston. And in the letter, um, uh, Stanley explains why a single maple leaf would be symbolic of Canada. Um, the letter actually uh, is found in the papers or the phones of a man named Alan Beto. And Alan Beto was also involved in this. He was a heraldic expert. Uh, he, he was a friend of John Matheson's. Um, it's interesting because Alan Beto actually designed the Books of Remembrance that yeah. are in the Memorial Chamber in Parliament Hill. Um, and a number of other things during his career, in, including a lot of the badge designs for Canadian ships during the Second World War. Anyway, uh, Alan Beto was involved early on uh, in the mid-60s, and in fact, uh, he is the person who designed the blue-bordered flag that Pearson initially fell in love with. Okay. Um, he and John Matheson, I understand, had a bit of a falling out over that. Um, but be that as it may, uh, Beto was still involved in, uh, even when they got to the committee stage in the fall of 64, Alan Beto was still hanging out and, and would often render designs for the committee and this kind of thing. Um, what's odd about it is the letter from Stanley is addressed to Mr. Matheson, um, but it's in Alan Beto's papers. And the only reason, uh, when I was doing the research, um, um, 10 or 12 years ago, um, like a lot of researchers, you want to look at the different fonts that might be relevant. Yeah. And there was Alan Beto's font. So I thought, okay, we better look at Alan Beto. And I was surprised as anyone to see the letter. And, uh, and at the, the bottom of the letter, uh, Stanley actually took out a red pen and drew uh, his rendition of the flag in order to explain its, its design, symbolic yeah. value in the design. Uh, very, very interesting, and uh, coming, of course, months before a decision was made. And uh, John Matheson, even in his memoirs, you know, uh, says that you know this this was just um, um, it, it, it was a, a real contribution that Stanley had made. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be a bit of a a bit of a stretch to say that Stanley actually designed the flag. He yeah. was simply rendering it from what he saw at Royal Military College. And like I said earlier, uh, there, there are a number of people who uh, one could look at and say, okay, this person contributed this, this person contributed that. And I think, I think it's important not to um, so, sort of look at one person and say, okay, this, this person is the one who is responsible. There's a whole bunch of people who yeah. contributed in some way. And never mind the whole history of the maple leaf in Canada. The, the, the maple leaf is, is, is yeah. there, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, I think, when uh, there, there's sort of a, a lesson when, when doing research, too, is that uh, it was important to look at, at the different, uh, where, wherever there might be something relating to the flag, because I, I need to remind you that the work um, that I was asked to do had really nothing to do with the history of the flag, per okay. se. Uh, it started when... Um, uh, uh, Sheila Copps was Minister of, of uh, Canadian Heritage and she had a flag and she was to turn it over to the Museum of um, Civilization at the time. 
uh, and claimed it was the first flag to be raised on Parliament Hill. And um, there's an actually fantastic video in the collection, uh, the CBC coverage on February 15, 1965, uh, with a man no less than Lloyd Robertson doing the commentary. Uh, and they created a, a dais, a stage in front of uh, center block, and they uh, symbolically uh, pulled down a red ensign and put up a, a, the new Canadian flag. So anyway, Minister Copps claimed that this was the first flag to okay. fly from that dais. So the flag was taken by the then um, National Archivist uh, Ian Wilson, and he involved the Canadian Conservation Institute here in Ottawa, uh, the director, a fellow named Bill Peters, and asked Bill and his staff to look at this flag. Was there, was there a way of confirming? Because mm -hmm. first of all, the question was, where had the flag been uh, for 30 odd years? And, and was there any way we could look at this flag and say, yes, it, it was one of the first to fly, or the first to fly? Right. Uh, unfortunately, after the CCI people looked at it, they, uh, they decided that no, it, it looked like it had been made a little bit later than 1964 and there was some way of determining that. So that set us off. Right. Okay, where was the first flag and what happened to it right. on February 15, 1965? Um, and that, that led me into whatever records I could find in the collection. Uh, we spoke to a number of people. Uh, the most frightening thing that we found in the records of the Privy Council Office was an exchange of correspondence between the Privy Council Office and the museum, uh, 1965 Museum of Man, um, where it appeared that the Privy Council Office was sending all the flag materials to the museum. And we, we, they were never located. Okay? Oh. The museum turned itself inside out more than once and could never come up with these designs and samples and whatever else the Privy Council Office had sent them. Um, and that's where it sort of was. And a number of people came forward and said, I've got a flag. You right. know, my father worked at the Exhibition Commission. I've got a flag. Uh, we looked at some of these flags. Um, what's interesting is that the, um, the first flags produced, and there was about 12,000 manufactured in, for February 15, 1965, the, the color, uh, the color, uh, the red uh, lost its color. Ah, it's faded. Uh, yeah, they, they would fade into a sort of an orange color. Oof. So we could look at these flags, and several were brought to our attention. And all we had to do right away, we could tell an old flag from a new flag. And it was, it was a lot of fun, actually. Um, but, but nowhere could we prove that, that the flag that was on the dais yeah. Uh, was was brought down and preserved, which is it's it's hard to believe now, okay? Um, but at the time, remember what I said: it was it was very political. Mm -hmm. It was still controversial. Pearson was happy; it was done. Yeah, and, and he could move uh, on. I too. spoke I spoke with people who worked in the Privy Council at the time, and and to them, the, the day it was approved, it it was off the table. It was done. And let's let's move on to something else, yeah. and because uh, it had held up Parliament for a long time, and so they were glad to have this thing signed, sealed, and delivered, and let's go on to other issues. Yeah. And so you know maybe 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 uh, there was no interest in in grabbing that first flag. It does get wrapped up though in another first flag, and if you look at the video of that day, the CBC uh, 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 telecast Cover. that day. Uh, there are flags flying all over the place. Uh, the East Block, the West Block, 
flags were raised at the same time on the Langevin building on the other side of Wellington Street. Uh, there's a flag going up there as well. And of course, there's a flag on the top of, of the Peace Tower. Um, and there was a ceremonial lowering the red ends and putting the new flag up. Well, of course, the flag that flies from the Peace Tower is much larger than the, the normal size flag. That flag ended up with the Deputy Speaker of the House of Commons, Lucien Lamoureux. And when we were doing the research, it got very confusing for a while. Like, was that the flag? Right. And uh, it was eventually tracked down. Uh, his uh, Lucien Lamoureux died in the 1990s. Uh, and the flag, the flag was actually resting on his coffin during the funeral. And then it sort of disappeared. And uh, after, make a long story short, uh, his, his widow had the flag and she now lived in Belgium. And um, it was, I believe, people from the Canadian Conservation Institute that retrieved it or actually went and, and assessed it. And then uh, somewhere along the line, someone convinced her to, to donate Depart it to the Museum it. of Civilization. Yeah. But I know when we were doing our research on this first one that went up on the dais, there was quite a bit of, of um, crossover confusion about what flag are we talking about here. And it's really important, I think, for anyone interested in the history of the flag and, and what happened to it. Is to, is to watch that telecast because it, it's 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 really quite interesting. Lots of photographs are around of, of raising the flag, but uh, the the telecast itself is is actually very interesting. And, so you can uh, probably see that in the CBC archives. I, uh, I watched it here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I watched it here. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I mean, so uh, you've actually talked about quite a few of the resources that are related to the whole bringing, the whole decision-making for the flag. Um, is there anything else that we have here that you haven't talked about? Well, I, you know, I think after all this time, why don't we talk about some of the, um, the odd things that happened? The committee that was set up in the fall of 1964 to resolve the issue um, was supposed to be in camera. It was supposed to be a secret committee, okay? And the leaders felt this was the only way that, that this thing could be resolved. And of course, like any parliamentary committee, the, the governing power had the majority. So there were a majority of liberals in the committee. So the, the question came up, if, if Pearson wasn't going to get his flag, his little blue bordered flag, uh, could he be convinced to accept what we have and in John Matheson's memoirs, which were written in the 1980s, um, you know, he, he, he claims that um, the prime minister didn't know what was going on. But of course, uh, in the early 2000s, we can now look at Pearson's papers. And uh, in his uh, uh, diary, there's a, uh, it was a, kept by a secretary, obviously, and it was simply a single line entry, sort of like a, a little calendar of who he was meeting and, and so on and so forth. And, and while this so-called secret committee was meeting, uh, at least two people, uh, unidentified, uh, spoke to him about what was going on at the committee. So it, it was a bit, of a, a bit of an insight for us doing the research, well, okay, Pearson does know about, about the flag. Um, but the real, the real winner in all this was um, the, when he wrote his memoirs, uh, it was ghostwritten um, right. by a man named John Monroe, and all of Monroe's, um, all the transcripts of the interviews are are in the Pearson papers, 
And so we looked at that. In his memoirs, in the published memoir, he says clearly that he, he, he knew what was going on. Uh, someone had come to him and said, well, we can, we can, we're going to get a flag and the vote's going to be nine to six or eight to seven. And Pearson said, no, he said, I can't, I can't turn around to the country and, and say, we've got a new flag by one vote. It's got to be almost, it's got to be unanimous. It's got to be a huge victory for whatever we choose. Yeah. And so that's when the voting was manipulated. And we, we won't go into that, but it was manipulated to the point where the conservatives actually voted with the liberals unknowingly for the flag we have. But in the, in, the, in the transcripts of the interviews that Monroe did with Pearson, it's a lot more explicit. Okay. Uh, Pearson really did know what was going on at that committee. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. And of course, uh, if it had ever come out at the time, that, that would have been the end of it. I yeah. mean, if, if, if John Diefenbaker or anyone else had, had discovered that Pearson really did know what was going on, I think there would have been a heck to pay. Yes, mutiny. So. Are these resources, can they be consulted at LAC? Sure, all the records relating um, They're all uh, open to the, now. Flag, the flag committee, uh, the minutes are there, uh, certainly the flag designs, uh, uh, probably all, there's probably two or three or 4,000 of them, uh, and all sizes, all colors. Um, certainly the, the, the political material, the Pearson uh, material is certainly available. Uh, in the course of research, um, uh, some other things have, have come available. There are a small collection of John Matheson's papers in the archives, and always have been. The Alan Beto, whom I mentioned. Um, since uh, this research in the early 2000s, it wasn't anything that, that I did, but um, uh, I understand that the Beto family have donated a diary to LAC. Their, their father kept a diary of, of all this. Um, and certainly in reading some of the literature from the last five or six years, it's clear that uh, there was a conservative member of, of the flag committee who kept the diary, and I believe the diary is still held by the family. But, you know, it, it just shows that there's material out there. Yeah. And um, I know we did a, a fairly uh, a thorough look at government records, um, and certainly... Uh, there was nothing, unfortunately, in the Exhibition Commission records, but there was um, quite a bit in the Privy Council Office. And of course, um, uh, the Privy Council Office is the, the, uh, with the Prime Minister, with the Prime Minister's Office, and there's um, actually quite a bit of material there, um, uh, fairly high-level correspondence uh, after the flag was approved in, okay. in, um, and voted on in December 64 about the arrangements for um, having the ceremony in February. They had to have proclamation signed by the Queen. Um, and so, so Lester Pearson and his wife actually went to London for the funeral of, of Sir Winston Churchill and at the time had the proclamation signed yes, by the Queen. <laughs> And that is in his, his, his calendar diary. You can, you can, you know, he actually, <laughs> it's uh, uh, at one moment he's getting ready to go to the funeral and the next moment he's, he's meeting the queen to have this document signed. Yeah. Uh, and so it is it's rather interesting. Um, but of course, uh, th that kind of record is available as well. Yeah. What are some popular myths about the design of the flag? Well, I, I think one of the, the, the most uh, outstanding sort of perennial stories is uh, the story of Joan O'Malley and sewing the first flag. Um, Joan O'Malley was 19 at the time, and she had just been married. And uh, her father uh, worked at the Government Exhibition Commission. His name was Ken Donovan. And uh, 
Anyway, the story goes um, that uh, Joan was phoned one, one dark and stormy night in November 1964 to come over to the Exhibition Commission and that, you know, I've got something for you to do. And so uh, Joan said, sure, Dad, I'll, I'll be right there with my husband. So that her and her husband went to the Exhibition Commission. And um, she claims to this day that she sewed three flags, okay? She sewed uh, a version of what we have. She sewed one with the blue borders, and she sewed one that was the third contender, which was sort of a red ensign with a maple leaf in one corner and a fleur-de-lis in the other, okay? Very garish-looking thing. <laughs> and, and Joan has always said that, that she did the three. When I did my research, I, I was puzzled because she's always claimed it was November 6th, um, but she sewed three flags. And by that time, the flag we have had already been approved. And so the question was, well, why did she do three at that stage of the game when essentially it was He's already all decided, over? yeah. Um, part of the story is that she sewed the flag so that Pearson could see them. I mean, that, that, that much she'll, she'll say. Now, she didn't know that at the time. And when we talked to her uh, uh, 10 years or so ago, um, we brought her and her husband to the Canadian Conservation Institute to look at a, a number of flags that they had. And of course, nothing looked like what she had sewn. And she said, well, there was a very good reason because I, it was like a bed sheet. It was like linen and it was very hard to sew, uh, which was an interesting clue. Um, and then, we, of course, the question is, whatever happened to them? And she said, well, she says, my, my dad said he had to destroy them, okay? So, and, and her and her husband were sworn to secrecy, okay? Now remember, they're only teenagers. She's yeah. only 19 years old. And so, for a long time, she never spoke about it. Um, but when I looked at the evidence, or when we looked at the evidence here, it, it didn't make any sense for her to sew the flags after October 29, when the flag Design committee actually decided. tabled her final report and, yeah. and recommended a single maple leaf. So we think that she actually did it earlier, and, and they were done, uh, they were done for the Prime Minister. They were done so that he could see what they look like, um, which again, um, I, I think plays into the secrecy aspect of yeah, it, yeah, the yeah. fact that these things were destroyed afterwards, because again, if anyone knew that Pearson had seen the flags yeah. while they were supposed to be meeting in camera, that would have been the end of it. Um, so it, it's a neat story, and, 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 and Joan uh, loves telling the story. It's a great story, the way she tells it. Um, what we did, um, and, and this is no um, reflection on Joan at all, uh, we actually looked at weather records, okay? And, and the weather records here at LAC, you can go back quite a ways and actually determine what the weather was day to day. Right. Um, and so we did. And uh, she and her husband insist that it was a night in November, and it was a bit there was a bit of precipitation, a little bit of ice on there. You know, it was that kind of night. And well, it wasn't November. It wasn't according to the records. Right. Uh, but there were a couple of nights in October that easily fit the bill. But um, Joan and I have uh, uh, agreed to disagree on this, and that's that's where it stands. Okay. It's a great story. It is. I hear that. Uh it's possible for Canadians to get a decommissioned flag from Parliament. Is, is I understand that that's true. I understand the waiting list is long, um, but a lot of people do uh, line up for a flag, and, and why not? Yeah, absolutely.
Thank you so much for being with us today. Glenn. Well, well, thank you, and I and I hope that listeners uh, will uh, appreciate the the history of the flag and 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 know that uh, we have a very distinctive flag, and that was the goal in in the 1960s was to have something that was Canadian. To learn more about LAC's political resources please visit us online at bac-lac.gc.ca. On our homepage, select Discover the Collection and then choose Politics and Government. On this page, you will find links to all of our political resources. Also, don't forget to check our blog, thediscoverblog.com, for more content. You can find the content quickly by selecting Politics and Government from the category list on the right side of the webpage. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Jessica Ouvrard, and you've been listening to Discover Library and Archives Canada, where Canadian history, literature, and culture await you. A special thanks to our guest today, Glenn Wright. For more information about our podcast, or if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please visit us at www.bac-lac.gc.ca slash podcasts. If you would like to have a flag that has flown on Parliament Hill delivered to your door, Click on Flag Request under related links on our episode page.